This is the Advanced Selling Podcast. The aim of this podcast is to help business sales teams grow their business with modern strategies and philosophies. Now, your hosts, Bill Kasky and Brian Neal. Welcome back to the Advanced Selling Podcast. My name is Bill Kasky. I am absent my partner today. Brian Neal is out on assignment, as we say around here, which is code for I don't know where he is. Uh, no, actually, he's out uh, out west this uh, week training a client out in the San Diego area. So if you run into him out there, that's where he is. Uh, we're going to talk today about some blunders that I find salespeople make. And I did a program here a few weeks ago for a uh, group of people who wanted to know what are the biggest mistakes people make in the area of sales. And I came up with this concept of blunders. And I came up with 20, and I'm not going to go through all 20, but I think you know, sort of in this spirit of what do I need to start doing and what do I need to stop doing and what do I need to keep doing in order to be become more and more successful, this is sort of the stop doing. This is the, the things that we make mistakes in that sometimes we don't even know we're making. So I'm going to go through a few of those. A couple things, though, before we start. Number one, um, I know that our AskBillAndBrian.com website was down. I'm pretty sure that's back up again. So if you have a question that you want to throw into the mailbag, which we're going to be doing a couple of mailbags here in the next couple of weeks, Go ahead and go to askbillandbrian.com, or if you just want to uh, uh, email us at listener at advancedsellingpodcast.com and make sure you ask a question, and we'll, we'll uh, try to get it on. Uh, another thing is that we have uh, put up all of our documents, all our PDF uh, documents, some data, some reports, some uh, free articles up at advancedsellingpodcast.com. There's a little section there called Toolbox, and if you click on that, you'll see all things, and we're going to be updating that, and we'll make sure that uh, when we do update it, that we uh, give you access to it here and let you know about it here on the show. You, you can also uh, subscribe to the podcast via email, so that way you'll make sure that you don't miss any kind of updates or articles or PDF reports that we put up there. So we are happy to do that, and we know we have a lot of people that take advantage of that. So today in Brian's absence, I'm going to talk a little bit about these sales blunders, and uh, I've got 20 of them, as I said, but I'm, I'm going to go through a few that I think are really critical, and these come from our experience with salespeople and sales forces all over the, the world. And so these aren't specifically in any kind of a niche. It has nothing to do with whether it's a young salesperson, 25, 30, or an older guy like me. Uh, these are things that we all err on, and I do every day, and I know Brian and Brooke do as well. We're always trying to uh, find better ways to do certain things, but these are some of the most common blunders. So here's number one. Number one, and I'm doing it right now as I read blunder number one, talk too much. It is really hard to find what is compelling your prospect to act or what, what's the problem, what's the pain, what's the issue that they have that they want to get fixed if you're talking. And we always say that the person who's talking is the one who's emotional. The person listening is not emotional at all. So you should be having your prospect talk. You know, what's the percent? I don't know, 60, 70% of the time, certainly not 10 with you talking 90, and certainly not 90 because that, that implies that you're interrogating them and they want to hear something from you, but they don't want to hear much more than what you hear from them. So if you're at 50-50, that is what I would call a good conversation. Number two, blunder number two, you get too excited. And the way this shows up is you seem to be more impressed with your benefits and economics and value and features than the prospect is. So 
The problem is that your excitedness never translates to their excitedness. And if you think enthusiasm is contagious, then I suggest you think that over a little bit more. I was at lunch today with a client who overhears one of his peers and said uh, a client came in the other day and uh, he could overhear what the salesperson was saying. He says the salesperson was almost giddy with excitement. Well, I don't want you to be giddy with excitement. You can be giddy after you get the check and start working on the, the problem and you start solving the problem and the customer comes to you and says, man, Bill, that was awesome. Thanks for selling me that. This really helped me. Then you can be giddy. But the time to be giddy is not in the sales cycle. Number three, we wing the message. Uh, the message sounds one way one day, another way the next day. Uh, sometimes it, uh, if you're calling on a CEO, it sounds different from one CEO to the next. Don't wing the message. Get the message clear. If someone says to you, well, tell me a little bit about XYZ and Sons, then make sure you have a well-thought-out you can call it scripted if you want. I, I, don't, I, I don't want you to read it, but it needs to be memorized. It needs to be memorable. It needs to be compelling. It needs to relate to the prospect, not just to you. Number four, the blunder is we don't tell any stories. So instead of telling stories, we preach and we claim and we report and we handle objections. You've got to learn to tell stories. Tell stories of clients that came to you and what some of their problems were and how you helped them uh, get out of their malaise and, and get into a better place in life. Help people see how you solve problems. And the way to do that is through stories. Now, stories, they have to be real. You can change the names to protect people, but the stories have to be real. Don't make the stories up, but surely you have stories from the work you've done and the case studies maybe that you've written. Make sure you have stories to tell people. People will remember stories. They won't remember your sermon. Uh, number whatever, I don't know, I'm just kind of lost on these five. Number five, ego out of control. And ego out of control might not be what you think it is. When I think of out of control ego, and when most people do, I should say, we think of someone who talks all the time and they're, they want to need to be the center of attention. And that definitely is part of ego out of control. But what I'm talking about here is ego is another word for fear. And if your fear is out of control and you're anxious about a sales call or you uh, are fearful the customer might say no or might not buy in fully to what you're going to propose, then you will give off the vibe of fear. You, you can't not, and number seven is don't do double negatives, I know. You can't not give off a vibe of fear if you're fearful. So, And I believe that it's our ego that is where that fear is sourced, where that fear comes from. And it's that ego survival, crazy, stupid, creepy mechanism that says, if we don't make this sale, we're going to die. And you've got to get your ego totally out of the process. A friend of mine used to say, leave your ego in the car because it might get you to the appointment. But once you get to the sales call, it doesn't help you at all. So that's one of the things that I think salespeople blunder on is they let their ego creep into the sales call. Another blunder. You think you know it all. Top performers in any business, and believe it or not, we see it in our business. It's just, it's so blatantly obvious when someone is a lifelong learner, they want to know more, they want to improve their skills, they want to improve their knowledge and wisdom, they want to improve their results, uh, versus the person who thinks they have it all down pat. They think they know it all. It worked for them 20 years ago, and by golly, they're going to make sure it works today. 
And that is a huge blunder you'll make as a salesperson. Uh, here's a salesperson who says, you know what, I don't buy this whole social media thing. That's not the way people interact. People still interact face-to-face -face over dinner on the golf course. Okay, fine. You can believe that. And I'm not suggesting that sales aren't consummated over dinner on the golf course. But there's a whole lot of technology that you should be understanding. And if you think you know it all, then uh, go, go visit some blogs, listen to our podcast, listen to other podcasts, and I think you'll learn a lot about how to engage people today. Here's another one. Fail to monetize the pain. Remember we've talked in the past about how if, if a prospect is going to change from one situation to another. Let's say they're buying from another vendor right now and you're in there talking to them about maybe switching, changing, solving, whatever. If you don't find out what the cost of the problem is, then at some point they're going to default to their, their current inertia. They're going to default to their current supplier. So if their current supplier has missed shipments, if they have backordered, if they are not treating them right, if they're not bringing new ideas to them, whatever you find out the pain, you've got to figure out a way to monetize that, denominate that. Get the prospect to tell you in dollars and cents, what is that costing me to do business with this other firm? And if you don't get that, then what's going to happen is you're going, they're going to look at price, they're going to look at the relationship and say, you know what, these guys are really idiots and they're bad, but they're not bad enough to throw them out and they will keep working with them. So you've got to make sure you denominate the pain. Got a few more here before we end. Fail to understand your role as a problem finder, not a seller. The blunder that we make is we go in thinking we're there to convince and persuade people to buy from us. And nothing could be further from the truth. So the, the logic, the faulty logic there is the harder I sell and the, the more I'm in front of them, the better I do. And that's just wrong. Because if you don't understand your role, that you're not there to sell anything. You are there to create an environment where the solution, where the problem can be given voice to, and you can talk about it with the prospect, and then you can decide if you want to solve it. Uh, you are not there to sell anything. And I know that's really hard because the very nature of the business of sales is sell stuff. But we find that you can, you can dramatically improve your results and income if you will change your role from a seller to a problem finder. Here's another one. Uh, people fail to prepare for a call. The blunder is, you know what, uh, I'll just go out and ask the prospect some questions and I don't really need to prepare because I've always heard that preparation is bad. It's gonna, it put, puts bad stuff in my head and I just want to go in as an open notebook. Well, some of that I agree with. I think you have to be careful what you read into their website or their products or any articles that the people have written in their company. But I would suggest you do a, a Google search, and we call it the Google rule here. Do you Google your contact? So if you're getting ready to see old uh, Ben Rose over at the Smith Company, and this is the first time you've met with him, Google Ben Rose. Find out if he's written anything, if he's in charge of anything, if he's speak, spoken at uh, ex executive training sessions, if he's, been, if he's on any boards. You can find out a lot about people. Now, don't, don't freak people out and saying, hey, I saw you're on 17 boards and I saw you were in San Diego last week. Don't do that. Just help you. It helps you to become familiar with the background of the person you're calling on. Shame on you and shame on me if we don't take, what does it take, three seconds to Google someone? Google them. Find out a little bit more about them. You can Google the company too, but a lot of times there you're just going to get a website that's uh, just a bunch of lies anyway. So I wouldn't, do, I, I wouldn't worry so much about that, although it does tell you a little bit about their markets and the products they sell, etc. 
Here's the last one of the 10 or 12 blunders that I'm doing. We've got some more we'll do in, in future podcasts. Salespeople fail to use the assets they have. I uh, was, was with a client the other day, and I said, uh, and one of his biggest problems is lead generation. He's ju- they're just not, he and his team are just not generating enough leads. And I said, well, what are you trying? What, what are some of the tactics that you're doing? He said, well, I'm doing advertising, and that's not working at all, which it usually never does. And, um, and I'm also doing cold calling. So, okay, well, how's the cold calling working? Well, you know, we make a uh, hundred calls and get five appointments and maybe get one or two deals out of that. And I'm thinking, oh, good Lord, this is awful. I said, how are you using your current customer base to get referrals? He says, uh, huh? I said, well, you've, how many customers do you have in, in the state? He goes, oh, we've got about 800 to 1,000. But okay, you got 800 to 1,000 people who buy on a frequent basis, right? He says, yeah, they buy not, not every month, but several times a year, and it's, it's recurring revenue. So these people, if they didn't like them, they would not be buying from them. So he's telling me he's got 800-ish customers who like him. And I said, why aren't you going to the 800? You could double your business in 90 days if you went to those 800 people, and they each referred you to a couple of people. But if you go to them with your hat in hand and hand out and say, hey, we really need to grow our business and beg, that's not the way to do it. So you've got to figure out a way to use your customer base, to use your networks, uh, to use even past clients. And I know Brian is really uh, big and strong on, uh, on going to past clients and inactive clients and resurrecting those, get, kind of re-energizing and reigniting those relationships, what I totally agree with. But if you don't have a lot of inactive clients, go to your customer base. Make sure you f- figure out a way to go get referrals. Now, here's a suggestion I have, and Brian and I have talked about this. We think that you ought to be publishing. You ought to be doing content. Maybe it's just a little article or a little email that talks about a tip that you learned about. Or maybe I was with a group the other day of accountants, and one of the accountants raised her hand. She said, you know what? I get asked all the time all these accounting questions. I said, great. Every time you get asked an accounting question when you're out to dinner with some friends, write it down and do an article about that. Or do a little email. You know, I was out the other night, and a person asked me about uh, the tax law changes for 2010 or 11 or whatever. And here are the three that you need to be concerned with. So as you start to send this vital information, this content, this education, resources out to your, not, to your customer base, that's when they start to send it out to their customer base and to their people, and that's how you get this viral component. If you go to your current customer base every month and ask for referrals, you're not going to get anything. Nobody wants to do that. Plus, you're going to feel like a beggar after about the, the, the second month of that. So make sure you have your customer base, what I would call your customer asset, uh, in a place and in a way that you can send them things, they can forward them on. And that way, the blunder is failure to use the asset. The possibility there is you start to use your asset to get a return on it. Okay, I've gone way over there. We'll talk about some more blunders here in the future. I urge you again to go to askbillandbrian.com. We'll open up the mailbag here in the next couple of weeks. And I know next week we're going to be introducing our new application, Advanced Selling Podcast app on the iPhone. And I know we've hinted around at that. We keep putting it off another week, but I want Brian to be here and uh, we'll be introducing that and some of the specials you get for those of you who have iPhones. For those of you that don't, uh, we're going to have a BlackBerry application and some other applications here very shortly, probably in the first 2010. Anyway, this is Bill Caskey. I enjoyed it, and I hope you got something out of my little sales blunder list. Talk to you later. Bye. This has been the Advanced Selling Podcast, presented by Caskey Achievement Strategies, Indianapolis. 
Join us each time we record a new podcast by going to BillKasky.com or to iTunes.